wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave for the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast. This show is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. Virginia Tech beat Boston College 48-22, to Rob. That was awesome. Complete. We, we said the Louisville game was the opposite of the Syracuse game. This 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 did it again. It did the old it, switch up. Yeah, we a switcheroo, a good switcheroo, uh, back the other way. So um, let's hope that the um, the alternating does not like continue. That that would not be good for this upcoming weekend. Uh, uh, so, uh, but it was an awesome game and uh, in hand pretty early. So that made it nice. It sure did. A, a stress-free visit to Chestnut Hill, for the most part, is is very nice. Why don't you give us a cheers? Um, cheers to, well, I guess just cheers to the cusp of bowl eligibility. So we are we are clawing there uh, with our fingernails and uh, trying to get there piece by piece. So uh, on the cusp at this point. So cheers. Cheers to that, man. Yeah, after week four of this season, it was impossible to feel like we'd get to this point where we'd have two games left with a chance to clinch ball eligibility. Let's start with just a couple notes on the basketball team before we get to playoff rankings and the depth chart and the game recap. Both our men's and our women's teams lost at the tail end of last week. The women fought valiantly against Iowa, and Caitlin Clark just proved to be a little too much and wasn't wasn't all on her own because the refs certainly had her back in that one. But we, for having three new starters and uh, just a, a change up to the lineup in general, I thought they played pretty well and it was close. We had a chance at the end or there could have gone either way, but I think this, this woman's team will be back and go deep in the tournament yet again. Yeah. And um, I was, it's a tough team and a tough game, but it's early in the season. There's a lot, a lot of basketball to play. And, um, you know, especially in basketball, what really matters ultimately, you want to win the ACC, you want to do all those things, but the tournament is really where, you know, things get exciting. And, uh, I have all of that, you know, well ahead of them. So it's all good. I was asking Ed, the, the basketball guy from the, the hokey hoops pod, like, what's the ceiling on this team? Because we do have a bunch of young new players and we have the stalwarts and Amor and Kitley. Like, is there a chance the ceiling on this team is potentially higher than last year's? And he's like, well, it's going to be hard to outdo the ceiling of a final four, but 
you have some upside. There's a lot of upside with some of these younger players on this team. And we're going to have to see how, how coach Kenny gets it together throughout the season. Nice. The men lost to South Carolina. This wasn't as high profile a matchup, <laughs> neither team being ranked and South Carolina, I believe was picked last in the sec. <laughs> they, one of the, one of the worst teams as from a projection standpoint, they didn't look yeah. that bad to me when we were playing. <laughs> yeah. So unlike, uh, you know, a, a respectable loss uh, in the Iowa game for the for the women's team, not a great loss for the men's team. So um, they uh, they have everything ahead of them and they may need it uh, if, if we if we stump stub our toe anymore uh, like this uh, as we as we kind of move through what's you know before we get into ACC play. Now's the time to work through the kinks, but uh, they they got some work to do. I thought it was interesting how both of those games against power five teams kind of had the same flow to them, like a back and forth. The other team was ahead for most of the game, but we battled back and then we just couldn't make a, a, a few plays at the end to get the W that loss could loom large. Although South Carolina really shot the ball. Well, maybe if that continues, they'll have, they'll have a strong season, but we did play Campbell today. We are recording on Wednesday night and we won. And so we got our second one of the season. Lynn Kidd had 24 and 14, I believe. And so uh, he's he's doing work. The rest of the team, maybe not as strong a performance tonight. I think Couture played okay. But uh, I'm going to go back and, and look at some of the stuff later. It, uh, we got we to gotta see how it shakes out. We got a lot of new faces, too, and see yeah. how they come together as we move through the rest of our non-conference schedule. But I am it looking forward using- to your pointers. Did you give him any? Uh, obviously. Yeah, that's probably what happened. You know, I, I just asked him what he'd been working on. And clearly he's been working on a lot, man. He's his shooting percentage. I know he's a big man, but like it's very high. He was making his free throws early in the game tonight. Like you got to love that. Yep. All right. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the college football playoff rankings and just your reaction to last weekend, because I tried to have you on the Monday show. There was a little bit of an audio issue, probably my fault. And so we had the Florida State Miami game. We had Washington Utah. We had uh, what was the big one in the SEC? Uh, Georgia and Ole Miss. Yes. Did you have any major observations from that? Are you are you surprised that Georgia's the new number one? No, not after that showing against Ole Miss. I mean, that was a beatdown uh, in that game. It, it, the the Georgia that everybody had been expecting like is starting to emerge and it emerged uh, in, in a, in a big way in that mm-hmm. game. Uh, not so much. Um, Washington, I think should have pulled away a little bit in that Utah game. I think the actual score ended up being closer than really what was on the field that uh, Washington just never really got it together to kind of pull away um, in that one. I think we all knew or thought we knew Florida State would would roll. I I didn't know if it was going to be a closer game or or, or not. So for me, it wasn't it wasn't like a, a full chalk lineup. But for the for the major teams and kind of the top ten, I think it played out you know about as you would expect. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. We've had so few upsets at the top, and even if you want to say. Some of, the, some of the games were upsets, maybe like the Texas-Bama game, like that was a mini upset. But we haven't had a lot of the unranked teams beating a top 10 team this year, or or even like a lower, like a 25 beating a beating a two. Like we've got five 10-0 teams, 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I was I was about to exactly where I was going to go. But it is I haven't gone back and I haven't looked, but this is very late in the se- season to be having five undefeated teams at 10 and 10 and 0. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's never it's, happened in the in the Power 5 that's existed for the pa- the past decade. Like when the Big right. East really started to dissolve and before TCU was in the Big 12. Like if you go Beyond that, in, in 09, we had six, 10, and 0 teams, but three of them were not in power fives as they are right. constructed now. So I'm not sure it's ever happened to have this many power schools, 10 and 0. It's yeah. it's highly unusual. And last year at this time, we had four. So I was saying on Monday, like, that's got to be due to the combination of NIL and the portal. Yeah. Yeah. And um, heck, uh, if you go back, I mean, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, somebody's going to get an L right there. Um, Washington. um, Yeah, I mean, you could have Georgia come out clean. One of Michigan, Ohio State, FSU and Washington. You could have four teams come out clean. I mean, that's crazy. Um, It it harkens back almost to uh, something that Virginia Tech's very intimately familiar with. And that's the the Sugar Bowl back in what was that? 2004. Five 2004 season, four, four yes. season, and then the, the um, five Sugar Bowl, yeah, yeah, where Auburn went undefeated and got relegated down to play Virginia Tech in the uh, in the Sugar Bowl, uh, and that was like a huge, huge issue, and part of the reason that we ended up, you know, eventually moving away from um, the BCS like kind of style of uh, of doing things. So it's crazy, yeah, and I that. 04 season came up in some of my research and I basically went back to 2000 cause it's, it's harder and harder to find like the weeks at, when you go back that far. Yep. But that year there was three, obviously that were 10 to no most years it's two or less. And yep. the, there's been, I think just like I said, 2022 was four, but that is extremely rare. That 09 season was, was extremely rare as well. So it's uh it's wild man. And I would assume that might catch up over the next two weeks and we might, we might see a little something, but the fact that that Washington has gotten through unscathed with how many kind of close games they've played. I, I still thought they would have moved up to that four spot because they got the win over Utah and Florida state didn't look super impressive against Miami. Yes. Uh, So Washington, you and I, last time we talked about Washington and um, I kind of flip flopped and I said, you know, we've seen this story with like the high powered offense um, and mm-hmm. not really. And then they kind of get into the the playoff and get demolished. You know, what other story that we've seen and we saw it very, very recently is, um, you know, a team from that same conference getting in after playing a lot of close games and that being TCU. Um, and from, it was just, you know, when TCU got in from um, the big last year, it was just, you, Everybody said they're battle tested. Um, and that was like the that was the big thing. They they've played all these close games, but they won and they're battle tested. It, it took them all the way to the national championship. I mean, it got them it got them there. So it can it can be done, but you know, one what ended up happening, you know, the juggernaut Georgia came in and just kind of destroyed them. So um I I don't know. It it'll be interested. I but they've they've played some you know, skin of their teeth type games. Yeah, and if you look at the rest of the rankings and that's, this is related, I'm looking at Utah 
and they are a three loss team. They're five spots behind Tennessee who just got their doors blown off by Mizzou. In what world do you think Tennessee's better than Utah? Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Especially when two of Utah's losses are to two top six teams. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. Like I, there, that one, that was the biggest gripe for me. Um, UNC is behind four three loss teams. So they have two losses, but they're behind four three loss teams, including Tennessee. Um, and then if you look at OK State and OK State and Kansas, just to round some things out, they dropped eight and nine spots respectively, but they're still in there. Yeah. I don't I know Kansas lost their quarterback, but that should factor in. Like I don't think Kansas yeah. should be a top twenty five team at this point. Yeah, I agree. And I think Utah is suffering from if you go back probably and listen to the podcast three weeks ago, or I think you and I were talking about our picks and we both said the same thing. We don't really know what to do with Utah. If you remember us talking about that, and it's like, what, like, I can't figure them out and teams that you can't really figure out like that ended up getting screwed over in the polls um, yeah. because no, because when people can't figure them out, they just put them down lower. And I think it's completely unfair given the two teams that they've lost to. Um, and I think a lot of times they're looking at like the quarterbacks too, mm-hmm. because Bryson Barnes, he's the pig farmer. He's not, the the star quarterback and i just feel like that gets dinged more than other things if like a team has a star quarterback but maybe they're not that good they stay higher uh on the flip side of that is iowa who's not ranked in the ap poll at all mm-hmm. but they are number 16 in the playoff rankings and i actually think it's bs that they're not ranked in the ap poll like they i'm not sure they should be 16 but I believe that they should be ranked in both polls. It's crazy. That's a huge discrepancy. That's unusual. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely agree with you on, on that one as well. Only G five in the CFP rankings is Tulane, and they are number 24. And that's another team that's been winning a lot of games by the skin of their teeth. And there are two other, other, uh, undefeated teams in the AAC that are coming right now. So you got UTSA and you got SMU and I'm very fascinated to see how, cause Memphis has one loss in the conference. Like they're in there too. So yep. that, that finish in the AAC and the championship game, it's going to be pretty fun. Let's get to the depth chart injury update. Stroman was out for the BC game. Saw that come down, made me a little nervous. Cause we know that in run support, he's a valuable player. We saw Jalen Jones dealing with a shoulder injury throughout the game as well. We had guys filling in at safety and on the depth chart, we had Jaden McDonald and Lawson basically splitting snaps uh, at the will linebacker. And this week there's an or designation between those two guys. And I, I don't think either guy was particularly impressive in this past game, but that's, that's what's going on at that position. If you want to just talk about the accolades from last game, I'm throwing this into this segment. Kyron Drones and Dorian Strong both earned ACC Player of the Week honors at their respective positions, and it was well-deserved. Very well-deserved. Um, and, yeah, the um, out, outside of the defensive line, the Hokies are all over the place in the backfield and in the linebacker positions. There is there is a lot of movement right now. Yeah. So um, it uh, it didn't hurt them. In this game, um, it wasn't it, it, it didn't impact them, but um, it's it's unsettling a little bit, like just to not 
it's unsettling not to have it settled at this point. And like, <laughs> I guess it's probably the, the injuries to the safeties have just been brutal this year. I yeah. mean, we finally get Nazir back and now Stroman's out I, yeah. for NC state. And we said it before BC, but like all hands on deck for this game. Like yeah. this is a game. We, this is a tough team. They're not, they have a good record. They might not yeah. be as good as the record. We'll get into right. that later, but they're a tough team and mm-hmm. we need Stroman. We need peoples. We need everybody playing. Yes. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get into, there's a lot of reasons why we need them. And, and you and I can, and, and you and I can cover that here soon. So college football Monday, I went over all the stuff I typically go over and I didn't get a chance to get Robbie's playoff four. So I'm going to ask him what he projects as the playoff four at yeah. the end of the episode. How about that, Rob? Perfect. I am. I will be, I'm ready to go now. I'm ready to go then. Okay. We'll do it. Pick them leaders. This past week, I went eight and two. The week before that, you went eight and one. So, uh, sorry, you went nine and one. Um, So, the last two weeks, we have been bringing some heat. (laughs) We finally, we're getting it together a little bit. But we are far, far behind the leader, which is some spread, huh? 68 and 42. They increased his or her lead by four over Hokie Hustler. So, now they're kind of getting out in front of everybody. Tech Triumph, one game behind Hokie Hustler. Good job by you three. You are first, second, and third right now. Friday Night Lights. The event at Tots is coming up on 11-17 this Friday night before the NC State game. I'm going to be there 8-10 to with some of the other team members from Sons of Saturday. I said before, Billy can't be there, and Pat is... He might be downgraded to doubtful. We're not sure. He had he had a rough one, I think, this past weekend uh, down in Charlotte watching the games. But uh, but we're going to have some other team members there. I think uh, Mike from the Hokie Hitter is going to be around. Sam's going to be around. Brett. Uh, you might get Mike McDaniel. You might get Al. There's there's a lot of people that, that could be in the house. So uh, 8 to 10 at TOTS. Please come over and say what's up. I just want to thank you for listening to the pod. You can get a sticker. You can get a pin. And if you say, I'm a listener and I would like a koozie, I will give you a koozie. I don't have very many, but Ooh. if you specifically ask me for one, I will give you one. They're, they're, <laughs> we're coming down to the wire on the, on the koozies. I have some. I'll, I will refill, refill your coffers uh, with some koozies. But please come out and say hello on Friday night. It's going to be a blast. Game recap. We got the game started with those two interceptions by Dorian Strong, and it led to 10 points. Tech took it to BC in the second quarter, scoring-wise, because it was a little bit shaky in the first. 21 points in the second quarter to make it 31-7 to and a half. Added a quick touchdown in the third to make it 38-7, to and it was over. BC put up 15 points late to make it look mm-hmm. slightly more respectable, but it really was not a close game at all. And this is such a weird thing about this season. We get blown out, and then we do a blowout ourselves. It's, it's very <laughs> bizarre. But... The best part of the show, the calls. Well, Hokies, we finally showed up on the road. Unreal performance. I am here in the stands at Alumni Stadium. It's 38-7. For the love of God, can we stop being that team that pulls the strings so early? I want to put 50 on them, 60, 70 on them, damn it. Is that too much to add? Probably. Probably is too much to ask as a Hokie. Hey, what a great game. I mean, after that Louisville game, uh, you know, where we just didn't seem to do anything, we come back, we have solid offense, solid defense, a great field goal kicker, holy cow. Defense 
shut down the quarterback like we needed to. They couldn't do anything else on the field. You know what? I can't complain. 48 is great. 48 is fantastic. I think it's been since what? At least 21. I know it's sure as heck won last year. The only heartbreak was watching, uh, you know, Grant Wells run down the sideline. And, you know, man, we're rooting for him. He's a hokey and just uh, sucked to watch him drop that right there at the end. I, I don't really have much to say other than that shit was awesome. That made me happy. And way to go, Hokies. I'm proud of y'all. Just visited Treehouse Brewing. Did I mention I made chili today? Yep, made chili, and I put Hokie beer in the chili. Next week, I am salivating on taking on NC State and that Brennan Armstrong-led offense. Let's go win these next two. Let's get the seven wins. Let's go bowling. I'm on Virginia Tech's greatest drug right now. Hope. PM. Pete. Great calls, as always. I love the one. <laughs> I, did I mention I made chili today? <laughs> just yes, just I mentioned, throw that in there. I want somebody wanted to get to fifty. You know, there is a way to get to fifty, and that is to not <laughs> let the ball shoot out uh, into the other team's end zone for a uh, touchback. That is yeah. that is one key way. I was in so much pain watching that. I was just like. Oh, oh, I think I think that was like the only was, black man. mark in the game, really. Like that was just yeah, that was tough. And I know some people were kind of like making fun of Grant. I just felt bad for him because like he he was so close. And if it just like bounces slightly different, it just goes out of bounds. Goes out to of get bounds. the ball down there. As it stands, he got us sixty yards, which got us to 600 yards of offense That's right which is which is a nice round number and so we'll give him credit for that but yeah that was the only only black eye in the game was that but uh the caller was correct the last time we had 48 points was 2021 against duke and that is such a forgotten game I, every time mm-hmm. i see that like when i go back through some stats i'm like wait when was that it's because it was fuente's last game like we knew he was getting fired but he wasn't fired yet. And then we like blew up all over a terrible Duke team. Cause you know, they, they hired a new coach right after that too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yes, that is the last time we scored that many. If we had to go over 48, it, it might've been the UNC game. Remember that UNC game in 17, we won like 59 to yes. seven or something. Yeah. Um, I didn't look up. You're so much better at finding these types of things, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, 35 unanswered points in this game, that's got to be like up there, you know, for, for would that be the belt bowl? <laughs> I, I think probably. Um, but that's, I mean, that's crazy. Uh, 35 unanswered is, is that really uh, is to both the offense and the defense in order to put that out on the field. While I'm doing the ad read, Rob, why don't you tell me, why don't you think of, your story of the game. Ooh, okay. Two Deep Hokies Under the Influence is brought to you by McCoy's Auto Repair in Radford, Virginia. Who doesn't love supporting a family-owned and operated business? That's what you get with McCoy's. They started in 1980. They've been around for over 40 years. They do all your major and minor repairs, oil changes, state inspections, engine transmissions, rebuilds or repairs, diesel work, fleet service, anything. They also sell any branded tires that's perfect for this upcoming winter. Go to McCoy's and get your tires, and they even have that optional pickup and drop-off service, which is so clutch if you just can't get to the shop with work. So head to McCoy's Auto Repair for all your vehicle maintenance needs or give them a call, 540-639-2933. If you're watching on YouTube, the number is right on the screen, and you can also find them on Facebook. Just like that old hokey buddy of yours, 
McCoy's is a name you can trust. And I also wanted to mention, Rob, this weekend when I'm down at the game, I might get a chance to meet the proprietors of McCoy's because they they tailgate very close to the stadium. So on my way, I'm going to try to stop by and say hello to our our wonderful sponsors. (laughs) Say hello for me. That's awesome. That is um, that's really cool. Um, So story of the game. Story of the game. Um, I was going to jokingly say we put the ball on the ground five times, uh, but thankfully we only lost it twice. No, I'm just kidding. And uh, there were a lot of <laughs> balls that got on the were put on the ground, but we got a we got them all back. 600 yards. I got to go with that. That's a number for Virginia Tech. We we do not eclipse very often. That is mm-hmm. not. Um, and and in particular, we don't eclipse it against uh, Power Five teams. So I think the 600 yards, and it was relatively spread around, right? I know Tootin had you know um, a nice day, 76 yards, but it was a mix of passing, it was a mix of rushing, it was a mixing of different people rushing the ball. Um, it was, um, I know Felton had 100 yards, but I think uh, 600 yards and spread kind of all throughout facets of the offense is is my story of the game. My story was the dominant defense after BC's first score. Because despite there not being a lot of guys who stood out on the stat sheet, the defense played phenomenally well. And I thought the offense was super efficient. And so let's go to the offense. We gave you some of the overall numbers already, but the run game was really clicking early in this game, particularly with Kyron. 363 yards on the ground as a team. Tootin had three touchdowns. Kyron went for 135. Malachi had that nice 35-yard TD run when when the game was kind of in hand, but I absolutely love it. He's still – he's got so much ability. It's, I know. It's just crazy that he's our, he's our 1B right now. Which is – yeah, it's wild. He'd be starting for some other – plenty of other kind of Power 5 teams, um, which is um, a little bit – a rarity for Virginia Tech to have kind of an a, a embarrassment, if you will, of riches at at, mm-hmm. at running back, which is awesome uh, in these days, obviously. Overall, Jerome's was awesome. 70% completion, 217 rating, 93 QBR, 135 rushes. Those are all top marks for him for the year. And yes. I said as much on Monday, 6.8 yards per attempt on the crown. He was getting big chunks in the run game. <laughs> there was that one that like he did like a fake toss and then ran. And yeah. uh, Sam said like, that's the first time that play worked all year. Well, it was a great time yeah. for it to work. <laughs> yep. It, it was. Um, the run game was amazing. Uh, you know, two things come to mind. We were struggling in the red zone. Um, and in the red zone, we had that nice um, pass out to the flat uh, to lane for that touchdown. Um, and then, uh, Tootin on the rush, just absolutely bulldozing his way through bodies for yeah. that one touchdown. I mean, he should have been taken down four yards short of the goal line and somehow came out on the other end of that like pile on his feet. And I was just, I was blown away. Um, that was great. And that was one of our five trips to the red zone. And we had four touchdowns on those five trips. So we increased our TD percentage in the red zones, eight of our first 10 drives went for scores in the game. It was just amazing. And if, if you go back to drones for a second, he had over 215 yards passing and over 130 yards rushing. 
there are two quarterbacks who've done that since 1987. One is Jones and one is Marcus Vick. Not Michael Vick, Marcus Vick, because Michael never put up the passing numbers in in most of the time. I mean, he he could flick it like anybody, but it just wasn't necessary. They were they were running more or less an option offense. So um, it was either throw it deep to Andre Davis for one one or twice once or twice a game, and then you know pitch it every other play or run it himself. So yeah, Marcus Vick and Drones only two players to have those two totals in the air and on the ground in the last. 20 some 30 some years so wow pretty phenomenal 600 yards is obviously the most of the brent pry era robbie's favorite phrase and you said the thing about us not doing that against a power five that's dead on because the last time we had 600 was against odu in 2018 when we lost and against ecu in 2017 and so neither of those are power five teams and those are the two stats i'd written down now i don't know when the last time we did it against a power (laughs) five team was but bill roth had tweeted out it was the most yards in a road conference game since 1993. Wow. I mean, that's <laughs> going back. Oh, I mean, geez, 30, 30 years. We're talking 30, that's 30 years on the nose. Yep. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, yeah, it was, it was nice. Seven for 15 on third down. We completed all of our fourth down conversions. Um, all the stats check out, uh, you know, everything's come. Everything's coming out. Millhouse, uh, you know, coming up Millhouse here. So, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's, it was a great day. Let's it was a great own. day. And if you look at the overall stats on the season now, Virginia Tech is putting up 411 yards per game in conference and six yards per play. And if you were to do that all year, expand your conference play into the Purdue game and the Marshall game and whatnot, we'd be a top 50 offense this year. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's what we can hope for next year going forward. If we put this same offense on the field and put – the vast majority of these players back out on the field, filling a few holes from the portal. It could be really special. And in conference play, I did want to say that drones has 10 total touchdowns and just one pick. His wow. passer rating is also around like 150 in conference. And so that's, wow. that's six games. That's nothing to sneeze at. And the two losses, he's four and two as a starter in the ACC. The two losses are the two top 10 teams. I know they weren't very pretty games, but they were the top 10 teams. So it's, it's pretty remarkable what he's been able to do in such a short time. And he's, he's doing it also without Ali Jennings as well. I mean, let's, I know we haven't talked about that name in a long time, but um, you have to imagine that it would be, if, if anything, a little bit better, right? Like Mm -hmm. if not materially better, just given his size and athleticism and what we saw just even not to mention last year when we saw a lot of it, but this year, um, in, in seeing what he could do. So, um, it's, it's pretty incredible. Tootin is seventh in the ACC in both yards from scrimmage per game and in touchdowns. He's got nine touchdowns on the year. So he's, he's right up there with the best of them in the ACC. So it's, it's, Great all-around performance from the offense. Let's flip over to the defense. They did a great job of holding Castellanos in check. That is what we talked about before the game. It was more or less the only guy you really had to worry about once we knew Robichal was out. And he only had 156 total yards, which is very low for him. He had the two interceptions. Just 124 yards rushing for BC, a team that was averaging over 200 a game coming Mm -hmm. into the game about half of what they normally put up almost and just 262 total yards allowed. 
that's tied with Wake Forest for our second fewest. Obviously, Syracuse was the fewest yards allowed on the year, but it was a shutdown defense. And it's funny because did when you were going through the stats, did you have the same reaction as me of like, I'm not seeing like the guy with the real like standout performance other than maybe Dorian. No, that that's it. Um, and because I, I was going back, I always go through, kind of look at the stats, throw some names out there, rewatch kind of highlights, make sure I'm like capturing everything. And I, um, we didn't have a sack in the game that I could find. We had two tackles for a loss in the game. Um, it was, it's, it's a bizarre to have this kind of defensive performance in that game. We held Castellanos to 46 yards on the ground, um, which, I didn't look at his stats on the year has to be among the lowest that he's produced all season. Um, and it was just, and, and honestly, I think part of that is also BC only got to run, I think 56 plays in total Virginia tech on the other hand had a uh, 72 plays, uh, in the game. Uh, and I think that had a lot to, to do with it. So, um, we obviously found ourselves with the, the ball a lot more and maybe, you know, more snaps on their side and yeah, you know, we see ourselves, you know, putting up, um, but I was, I was struggling to figure out uh, how it's possible. They, the stats ended up the way that they were. Yeah. You were right on with the, uh, with the play numbers. And I noticed that like mm-hmm. we had 48 tackles on the game and they had like, or sorry. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. they were on the field. So few, like there wasn't enough tackles to go around basically. Yeah, they had like eight, they had 81 tackles, I think in the game. And we had <laughs> right. like, it, yeah, it was crazy because Virginia tech had the ball the whole time. Um, so it was, it was wild. Yeah. And there was a lot of young guys in the game. Like Caleb Woodson actually led us in tackles with six canteen played a, but a very good game. He had five uh, and he's been good against the run this year when, when we've needed him Two pass breakups for Dante Lovett. And I just wanted to mention that because he's a true freshman who could factor in big for us down the line. And it was good to see him out there making some plays on special teams. We had Jalen lanes, almost TD, but the cool thing about that was he got the touchdown on that drive anyway. Yeah. It still happened. Um, Yeah. yeah, It would have been, it made it even cooler that he could still get the touchdown for sure. Yeah. John Love had a nice field goal kick, uh, made a 47-yarder in that one. The The only bad part about the special teams, I thought, was that what was going on with the two kicks out of bounds? Was it windy or something? Like, what, that seemed weird to me. I I don't know. Um, I, sometimes I wonder if if when that happens, are, are people getting cute with where they're trying to kick it to, right? And, like, they're trying to aim at, like, one, you know, somebody versus, you know, or one side of the field versus the other, and they just get too cute? Or is it a shank, or what's going on there? I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, that was the only only real downside, uh, that and the, and the Wells fumble in the game. As far as big-picture takeaways, did you have anything that, after watching this game, just you take in the season, you take in that game, what – Give me a takeaway. Um, a very nice complimentary football game. A complimentary between the offense and the defense and complimentary between, uh, I mean, the, the offense and the defense and the run game and the pass game. That's it. Like, it, it just, it looked nice and it looked clean. Um, and it left me feeling really rosy and happy at the end of it. I mean, it was surprising the way we were able to just move the ball so easily, but it was also super satisfying after that 
Louisville game, which was was so dreadful. And then you see UVA go out on Thursday night and almost beat Louisville. Mm-hmm. And then you're feeling even worse about yourself. At least I was. Yep. And the coaches switched up the routine at the hotel. At least that's the word. And who knows if it had any effect, but they got him up early uh, and were banging pots and pans or whatever in the hallway. I don't know, but it worked. And this team is just, it's a little weird. You're getting the inconsistency week in and week out. You get good O and then bad O, good D and then bad D. And that inconsistency is, it's a symptom of youth. It's a yep. symptom of being at outmanned at key positions. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're able to put these kind of weaker teams in the ACC in a locker, like we're not mm-hmm. just beating them. Yeah. Like we're giving them a swirly. <laughs> like yeah. it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's nice. And, yeah. and it's to the point that we've got five wins. And yeah. I, I know, like, if you look at the standings of the ACC, like four of our wins are the teams that are like at the very bottom, <laughs> but like, whatever, man, well, that's like, what you're supposed to do. Right. Um, those yeah. are on our schedule and we're whipping their butts. And so now we still have a shot somehow at this ACC title game. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you even want me to talk? I posted uh, the clip on our Instagram today uh, about what needs to happen. And it's extremely yeah. simple. It takes one second to say we need to win out. UNC needs to win out and Louisville needs to lose to Miami. And that's yeah. it. Louisville only has one conference game left because they play Kentucky at the end of the year. Yeah. And so that's, that's what needs to happen. And, it, it's like five different things. It's possible. Yeah. So we, my daughter has a beta fish. Okay. And this beta fish, uh, up in her room, uh, got like bloat or something or got like some sort this thing has been dying for like three and a half weeks. It won't eat. It won't do anything. It's, it's laying on its side, like in the fish tank. And, my wife's like, we got to do something. I'm like, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to like smash it with a mallet? <laughs> and like, and she's, and I'm like, we're going to flush it down the toilet. Like, how is that any better? At least now it's in like a nice fish tank. It's clean. We've cleaned it a hundred times. We're like putting stuff in there. Virginia tech, you know, winning the ACC is like, the, you know, my, my daughter's beta fish bell up in her room. It will not die. <laughs> that, and that's what everybody, all the other teams are thinking about. That's, that's how I, that's how oh, I that's about. classic, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, we are a fish with bloat. Yes. <laughs> whatever bloat. You, whatever and, you call it. <laughs> that's you. a good way to describe it. People have been posting the meme of like, it's i guess it's a scene from sonic i haven't seen the new movie but it's like how are you not dead yet and it's like yes. attack on, over sonic yeah um, that's it um, and that i haven't even seen that is. mean it's just like i that meme I, I it just comes to mind is bell the male beta fish up in my daughter's room that's been dying for three it's been it's probably been four weeks it's unbelievable every time i check in there i'm like but it, you can it, tell that it's still alive yeah you can see it breathing like and it'll like move if you like flush you know hit the tank and stuff it'll move like around but then it like immediately just like lays on its side at the bottom of the tank does obviously. she know that it's dying yeah but okay. it's been so long it's <laughs> like you know it, it's there's not going to be any emotion like, <laughs> right she's right, just right. gonna it's going to, she's probably going to be like relieved. Like and she's already got a new fish picked out like at the store. <laughs> like, All right. Let's, let's take a quick beer break to, uh, to calm ourselves down from that hilarious story. And I'm going to do a quick ad read. And then I want to ask you what you're drinking, Rob, if anything, yeah. the 2d pokey zone of the influence podcast is brought to you by Roback. 
You guys know Roback. They're the performance activewear that has brought you the Virginia Tech-themed polos and uh, quarter zip with the little Virginias on it. That's the Commonwealth and the Berg. They're both available on Roback.com. Right now, they're offering our listeners 20% off their first order using code 2DEEPVT, all one word. But they have hoodies, tees, the quarter zips, shorts, joggers, and of course, their wide selection of polos. They have tons and tons of different polos. And if you are getting ready for Christmas and you might have already used your code, tell your wife to do the order. Tell your mom to do the order. They can all use code 2DVT and put in that Roback order. So go to their site and load up your cart. Use our code Roback Crave Activity. Are you having anything over there tonight, Rob? I am. I am having. Um... It is the Citrus Cacao IPA. It is not Cocoa Cacao. So C-A-C-A-O. I'm on a website right now. It's a chocolatier's website discussing what the difference is between Cocoa and Cacao. (laughs) And uh, How cool you sound when you say it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Blend citrus flavors with the mellow sweetness of cacao fruit juice so um i don't know what cacao is but it's pretty delicious and it's a hazy ipa and i'm enjoying it it is athletic brewing company a non-alcoholic um beer so there you go um yeah what do you got i am drinking zeds this is called the importanter ipa and zeds is a local brewery right in my town here in new jersey and I, I go there from time to time and I just love the fact that our town has a little brewery because it really isn't very big. Like you can only get the beer there. Uh, it's it's a very small place, but it's right near our main street and there's pizza places close by. You go grab a, a, a slice and head over to the, the bar. It's great. It's a great little spot. And this is one of the best IPAs they've, they've put out. It's 6.4% alcohol. It's kind of a cross between a hazy and like a traditional. And mm-hmm. it's... It's not too bitter. It's not too sweet, It, but it's phenomenal. And their slogan is approachable craft beer. And I would say that this is approachable. This is from Zed's Beer, Marlton, New Jersey, the Importanter IPA. I would recommend it if you're ever in my town. I live right near uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which most people are familiar with. Okay. Oh, I also wanted to point out this hat I've got on for the real dedicated diehards you'll notice this is a key play trucker hat limited edition from i don't know 2014 or something like that uh got it way back i still have my key play t-shirt that they put out the one with like the big key on it uh i used to i used to and they they were the originals that did the horse on a treadmill yes yeah they have the the horse on the treadmill video which they need to bring back to the commercials immediately um underwater dog on a treadmill yes um (laughs) And just so everybody, because I know people are 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 really interested in this, linguistically, the cacao and cocoa are entirely interchangeable. But due to the more botanic connection of cacao, it's much more healthy and natural connotation as it's used. Cocoa, on the other hand, thanks to its historical usage in Africa and Asia, where mostly low co- low quality cacao is grown and has cheaper, less healthy reputation. Same thing, evidently. That is. That is fascinating. I learned something today. Yeah. Everybody will know. forget about that right about now. <laughs> All right. NC State, 1118, 3.30 p.m. on ACC Network. We got that 3.30 p.m. start. I love it. It's perfect for tailgating. 
going to be over in the Litton Reeves lot if you want to stop by. NC State is 7-3 and three this year. They have fallen a little bit in terms of their projected FPI and where they are now. They're coming in at 42. VT's 50th after last week mm. because we beat a 6-3 and three Boston College team. Even though they, they don't have a strong FPI, it kind of boosted us up a bit. And Dave Doran is still the coach down there. 79 and 57 over 11 seasons. He's been there 11 years. That is incredible. Um, holy cow. They beat us by one point last year. You'll probably remember that. We had a lead thanks to a long Caleb uh, Smith touchdown. Yep. And before that game, though, where we lost by one, we hadn't lost to them since 2004, a game that mm-hmm. I attended as a student. Uh, that was also a one-point loss. Yeah. So it's it's kind of weird. Like we normally play NC State pretty tough and we usually beat them. Yeah. They lost a lot off of last year's roster. They've been doing it with defense this year. I kind of called them like the ACC versions of Iowa for yeah. this this year. Like that's really how they've been they've been playing. And Tony Gibson is still their defensive coordinator. I have always thought of Tony Gibson as a very average DC. Like mm-hmm. when he was with West Virginia, his defenses were never lights out. And it, at, at NC State, he had a little bit better talent. Mm-hmm. But they were still like kind of never quite lived up to the expectations. This year, they're exceeding expectations. Yeah, they they always have good good skill talent on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's usually pretty consistent. This year, they have some very good skill talent on on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and I think. Um, I would say, yeah, I, I've always thought of him as an, as an average kind of um, DC, but this year they are are playing pretty lights out. Do you want to start with that side of the ball, or you want to you want to hop? What do you want to do? Offense, defense? Uh, let's uh, let's save the the better stuff for a okay. little bit later. Let's talk about Robert and I, the the OC that was brought in. Yep. You'll remember that he was the OC at UVA a couple years back when Brennan Armstrong was there. And I goes up to Syracuse. Schrader improves. And then NC State hire. I don't know why he's moving around so much, but now, but now Anai is down at NC State, and he brought his boy in, Brennan Armstrong, down to be the starting quarterback this year. Seemed kind of strange to me because MJ Morris had come in as a freshman last year and played really well. I never expected all the twists and turns this has taken so far this year. What a nightmare. <laughs> because yeah. Brennan Armstrong started the year as their quarterback. After about five games, the offense just was struggling so bad. They said, screw it. We're not going to redshirt Morris. We're going we're gonna to play him. And they actually went three and one over that stretch. It wasn't necessarily because Morris was playing amazing, but they went three and one. And then we get the news last week that Morris is shutting it down. He's redshirting. And when, whenever that happens, it feels like he's going to transfer. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he transferred. So we are. Is, to- is that. Was that legit? Like, do you think he's in the portal? I think, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure he's in the portal. I, of course, I, he's going to be. Going to be. Um, yes. And Brendan Armstrong is gonna, I'm almost certain gonna be you know, the starter for the game. So it, it is a, it is a, uh, a bit of a dumpster fire. Let's put it that way. And, and the way that things have played out thus far. Um, I had a little bit of commentary with, I think it was Sam just about how, it seems strange to me that this team, NC State, at the time of MJ saying he was going to redshirt, which we know what that means, but they were still in contention for the ACC title game. Okay. It is it is so weird to me that 
he that that's the way it went down. And whatever, Brendan Armstrong started the last game. He's going to start this game. Uh, he, despite being benched, he played pretty well last week. He put up a 98 QBR, third highest PFF grade in the country during last week's games. But his passer rating on the year is still down around 116, 115, and a 57 QBR, which is, I think, right where around where Drones is at. A, a first-year starter, not you know the third or fourth-year senior, probably a fifth-year senior in his third or fourth year starting. So I don't know why Brendan Armstrong declined so much last year at UVA and has continued that decline this year, but he's just not a very good quarterback. Yes. Uh, and I'm, I'm before I'll keep going, but I want to clarify. So Eddie Morris, MJ's father, told the news agency last night that he plans on staying at NC State and will not be pursuing a transfer in the offseason. So that tells me he'll be transferring like immediately <laughs> um, in yes. the offseason. So <laughs> like the, there's no doubt. Um, I don't know why Armstrong has been struggling so much, but it's been um, it has not been. It, it has not been great, um, you know, to go with, you know, barely a little bit over a thousand yards. Um, you know, he's got 400 yards, I think, on the ground and four more touchdowns. But needless to say, under center, they're struggling. Their offensive line is not very good, which is not helping him. Um, and they're they're letting defenses cause um, some some havoc. Um, they've given up like 20 sacks and almost 70, I think, tackles for a loss uh, on the season, something like that. And it's it's tough. It's a, it's bad under center. They have running back by committee right now, three running backs. They really are kind of probably down to two at this point that they're, they're using. Um, and they have Dilbert uh, Mims, who's like their goal line running back. But um, it's it's tough. And, and the wide receiving talent is is not very good either. They have, you know, maybe one good wide receiver, and that's that's really it. So, and he's the freshman. Yes, it's, it's Concepcion, and without him coming in this year, like I don't know where they'd be at in this receiving core. And he's he's very dynamic. He's a little bit of a smaller guy. He's under two hundred pounds, uh, under six foot, but he's got fifty receptions, five hundred seventy three yards, and six touchdowns. They, and they've run him quite a bit as well. So he's yep. a receiver and he's a rusher. Because you said it's a committee in the backfield. Because Houston shut it down at the beginning of the year. So you had their starting running back shut it down earlier in the season. You have their starting quarterback, at least for the last few games, shut it down yes. <laughs> two-thirds of the way through the season. Yeah. Like, this is not – the tea leaves I'm reading don't look so freaking good for, for NC State. And despite all of it, they have a 7-3 and three record. So yeah. good on them. They're managing to get it done, even though they're 113th in yards per play on offense 113 just over just about five yards per play 84th in scoring offense and as you mentioned about the tackles for loss they're 111th in tackles for loss allowed per game so teams are getting in their backfield they're taking the skill talent on the offensive side of the ball that outside of concepcion it's it's not good. I I really hope that his name is Conception and not Concepcion. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin like, Conception. <laughs> we're gonna inception that that concept of Kevin Conception, Conception with the receptions. <laughs> yes, and Inception the movie is a wonderful movie. Um, so yes, it is a um, it's a bit of a mess. It it almost kind of it's reminiscent of the offense kind of wiping their hands clean and being like, all right. Let's see if the, how many more games the defense can win for us. Um, it, it's um, 
they're struggling. Uh, and that's because they're 20th in total defense. Yeah. I said when we were doing our other segment, we were 21st. They are one spot ahead of us in terms of total defense. But they've played a similar but easier schedule, if yeah. if you ask me. Uh, it's hard to say where the offense is tougher or not, but it's a similar schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, 29th in yards per play on defense, 41st in tackles for loss per game, 16th in sacks per game. So they're they're getting in the backfield. They've got a good defensive line. We saw when we were doing our summer previews, we talked about Van and Clark and Jackson and how they're bringing all those guys back. And they've added Hibbler as a playmaker this year too. What's standing out to you on that line, on that defense? Um, a few things. At a macro level, this is like a top eight defense if you throw out two games. They completely brain farted against Notre Dame and gave up 45. And then against um, Marshall, and they gave up like 40. Oh, yeah, the Marshall game was 41. a yeah, it was a, a, another shootout. Outside of those games, if you knock those two out, this is probably like a top eight defense in the country. Just you know, we're, so we're clear outside. And I know you could do that with any team, but it is two very glaring. They gave up six to Wake Forest. They gave up six to Miami. They gave up seventeen to Clemson and twenty-four to Duke. That's their last four games and what this defense has done. So um, it's a three-three-five, stingy, very stingy against the run. So where I focus at most is their two linebackers. Uh, Peyton Wilson and Jalen Scott, they have been monsters for them. Um, and they got two really good defensive ends um, in uh, Van and Jackson. Uh, and those four, I think, um, uh, are really kind of where I focus in at, at their ability to to stop the run, which they've done a very good job at this season. I thought they were going to struggle more in the linebacker spot with Drake Thomas. Yep. going to the NFL because mm-hmm. he did so much for this team. He had 23 hurries last year for NC state, just preposterous numbers. I, I really thought they were going to be hurting because of him, but Peyton Wilson, he was good before he's yep. taken a step forward. He 12 tackles for loss, four sacks, six pass breakups as a linebacker, nine more hurries, two interceptions, 112 tackles. He's putting up like 11 tackles per game, crazy motor and Scott, the other linebacker is second on the team in tackles. So yep. you're dead on. You're looking at those linebackers. Video they're game tough. numbers for Wilson. Those are like video game numbers. Yeah, That's they're, they're crazy. crazy. The safeties, Brown and Boykin, they've got both have two interceptions apiece. I mean, there's like seven guys that have two interceptions on this team. There's so many interceptions. They were so stingy up front. And then all of a sudden, um, after that Marshall game, when they gave up a bunch of points, the secondary just like turned it on. So they have center seven interceptions in the last four games in the secondary. Um, they have just like, like that, that at the beginning of the year was a little bit of a liability to the, for them as shown in the Notre Dame game and then the Marshall game. And then all of a sudden it like clicked for them. Um, and now it's, it's running on all cylinders in that secondary. And I don't really know what the weaker part of the defense is. Because if you look at the corners to go with those safeties, Battle, White, Kennedy, there a lot of those guys have been playing there for a while. They're mm-hmm. they're veterans. There's so many juniors and seniors on this defense. They have 47 hurries as a team. That is an insane amount of hurries. Like I maybe the NC State stat keeper is just like inflating their stuff because Drake <laughs> Thomas had 23 hurries last year. But whatever, man. They're they're putting up hurries and they're putting up sacks. 
you can't skew the sack. So you all, you and I always complain about like, what is it actually a hurry mean? Right. And like, you'll come, we'll come away from a game and be like, yeah, there's two hurries. And you're like, you're telling me the quarterback got hurried twice in yeah. this game, like felt like pressure and had to escape the pocket, et cetera. There's no way. And I think the NC state, um, stat guy was listening to us and was like, all right, we're going to fix this now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely a, a formidable unit and I'm not exactly sure yeah. the best way for us to attack it. I think we just do what we do best and see if it leads to points. And that would yeah. be the option run game, getting Kyron involved in that way early, being careful with how many times you pass the football because there is a sweet spot. Chris Coleman talked a little bit about this. Like you get too many pass attempts, then you know, the running game's not working well enough. So, and you, and you're not sticking with it. So keep it around that 21 to 25 pass attempts, run the football and just, just go at this team at home and see what you can do, but it's going to be a challenge. Like it really is. I think we have a really distinct advantage here using something that you just said, the read option game. If we can really hone in the read option on this in this game and freeze the linebackers, because it's a three, three, five, right? Like if we can use that to our advantage and use the option to freeze the linebacker where they don't know if it's a hold or it's a give, and you're basically watching their hips on what they're going to do and whether they're going to take the running back or whether they're going to go for it. I think that could be, um, it could be, it could be useful in this game. So I'm hopeful that that's something we're able to execute on and, um, and works for us. Yeah. There's going to have to be misdirection and a bunch of other things to keep them off balance to give our offensive line a chance. Like this is a giant, giant test for our offensive line in this game. And they didn't do so hot the last time they were tested against Louisville. And this defense, it's close. It's close to that. It might be as good as that Louisville defense. It's very good. Mm -hmm. Their special teams, this is something important to note. They have an excellent kick returner. They have an excellent punt returner. And they're not the same guy. (laughs) Like they have a top six in the country kickoff guy in Julian Gray and a top 12 in the country punt return guy in Jalen Coit. So this is, this is ACC Iowa special teams, defense, very bad offense. I would assume this game is going to be low scoring. Although I might've assumed that last week too. (laughs) So, so I don't know, but they, they lost key pieces off that defense, but they, they replaced them, and it's arguably better than the defense they had last year. Yep, I would agree with that. Um, but I, I think that's I, – I said in my notes, I think the first one to – the first team, whether they eclipse it or not, I think the first team to 17 wins uh, in this game. Oh, um, okay. So, you know, I, not that – It doesn't that have to stay at 17. It doesn't yeah. have to, but, like, if you get to 17, I think you feel – you probably can feel like you got this game in the bag. I think it's going to be low scoring. Um, I, I It just sets up that way in, in a – yes, because of their defense, but also because of their um, their offense. And it's just – it's been really kind of putrid, and I think it also sets up well for what we've been doing on defense. In our calls – Hokey Hack said something. He's salivating at getting after Brendan Armstrong. And that could be a key in the sense that we can't go length of the field all game in this game. We need a turnover deep in territory. We need a scoop and score. We need a pick six. And Armstrong is a tremendous runner. 
We know that he does that well. So make sure you're hitting him. Try to knock the ball out because we're going to need turnovers. And I'm not sure how much this team's going to pass the ball. And that is going to be the key, I think, to a victory. We need a turnover. We need a big special teams play. Win on the margins, that field yep. position, all those things. That's what it's going to take to win this one. We are two and a half point favorites. Wow. Which it was a little bit smaller than that. And and money again came in on VT this week. Do you think so? We talked about the games against the weaker teams. They've been blowouts in our favor. Tougher teams blow out. Not in our favor. Other way. Do you think this is going to be the in-betweener? Are we finally going to get an in-between in this game? Um, I, well, if I say yes, then we're screwed. Uh, <laughs> I think, I, I, th- I really think we should. I mean, this is a very poor offense as it's constructed right now. Um, and for a lot of reasons and and the the offensive line being as bad as it is without a really threatening running back um, does not lead to good things. You know, some of the teams that have had success for against us that um, do not have great offenses generally did not have as poor of an offensive line as what we're looking at here, because that's really where things can um, either break down a lot or, if the offensive line is able to make some holes and like make some breathing room, then you may not have a great rushing attack, but you can have a good day. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense? Like you don't have, you can find a way to like put together a good day that way. When you have a really poor offensive line, um, it, it, it could be tough and they do not have a stud um, running back of, of the two that are, that are left. Yeah. And, and they don't have, a Jalen Lane or a Felton or a Tootin and a Malachi. Like th- that's the thing is our offenses are actually kind of similar, except for we have like four guys we can count on, and I'd like drones a lot better than either of their two quarterbacks. And yeah. so you look at this team last week was actually really good prep because what BC likes to do on offense is essentially what NC state has been forced into trying to do because they're just having such a hard time passing the football. Mm-hmm. And the the best part about it is this offensive line is way worse than the BC offensive line. Yeah. And so we shouldn't end this game with zero sacks. <laughs> we should, <laughs> we, we like, it's like when you play an option team and then yeah. uh, you have another option team. It's like, well, thank God we played them the week before. Cause now we're prepped. That's kind of yeah. what this is like. Like we just yep. played a very similar style of offense defensively yep. on the flip side. This defense is way better than BC and it's, it's yes. similar to Louisville in that regard. And we're going to have to bring our a game unlike what we did two weeks ago. I'll be, I'll be very interested um, to see what we do in this game. I having watching what we did against Louisville and watching uh, and, and really not having much success at all. I'll be very interested to see how I said, I would be very interested to see what we would script against Louisville. And it was not very good. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And now here's kind of like, the second try. Okay, guys, here is another very mm-hmm. talented defense. What are we going to put out there? So I'm, I am nervous, but I'm like excited a little bit to see if we can actually put something out there that's productive. Yeah, it's it's at home. It's a huge game. The, the focus should be a little bit better than on the road in Louisville, and we can lock up bowl eligibility, and that should be absolutely 
being talked about. Like what a massive step that would be for this team after last year. And we've been good at home with drones of the starter. So I feel pretty good going into the game. I think it's going to be a close one throughout, probably a sweat until the final moments could be on the leg of a kicker, but get some turnovers, get it, get a play on special teams and let's win the damn thing. Yep. I agree. Let's get to our picks and then we'll get your playoff four. app state at JMU. This is game day. Game day is going to be at JMU. I'm going to be at JMU Thursday night because we were planning to do break up the drive, see some old friends at JMU because my wife went there. Nice. And now we might try to hit up the quad and just see what's going on because I know McAfee's recording and a handful of other things are going on. So that'll be fun. But it's an 11.5 point spread. JMU's the favorite. App's been playing better lately, though. They have been. Um, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with uh, JMU. This is a big game between these two teams, um, a, a big game, and it has been for years. This is, goes back almost like a decade of these teams as they've both gotten better over the years um, of trading punches with each other. So it is a big matchup, uh, but I'm going to go with JMU. JMU has been just beating the crap out of everyone, and I feel like this is a, it's a huge game, and I think – there's distractions, a lot of distractions on campus, a lot of hype, a lot of pressure. I'm going to take app to cover. I don't know if they'll win the game, but I'm going to take them to cover 11 and a half. All right. Georgia at Tennessee, Tennessee, 10 and a half point underdogs at home. Georgia coming off the big win, Tennessee coming off the big loss. Is this a bounce back spot for the Vols? No, I think this is the <laughs> Georgia. Georgia is starting to activate like, you know, scary mode and i think they're gonna keep they're they're not gonna turn it off at this point you don't turn it off with two games left in the season and you're trying to make a statement to go get the number one you know spot in the nation for the playoff this is not when you start to like you know lose focus this is when you like really start turning up the heat and i think they continue it yeah and i don't think tennessee's very good like i just i really don't think i don't think they should have been I think they were one point underdogs against Mizzou or maybe one point favorites. Either way, they got their butts kicked. Georgia's a lot better than Mizzou. I'm not sure Ole Miss was a huge game for Georgia in some of the ways they view it. So I think they're going to go down to Tennessee and and whip some butt. Florida at Mizzou. Mizzou 11.5 point favorites against Florida. I'll go first. I'm going to take Mizzou. They're at home. Yeah, that's who I have as well. Next game, Oregon at Arizona State. Arizona State has been improved. They've been playing mm-hmm. better. Um, not so much when they played Utah, but they yeah. they have been playing better in general. It's 22 and a half. I'm going to take the Sun Devils to cover. Oh, yeah, that's a big, big spread. You know, Oregon and Utah do have something very much in common. It's those defenses. and um, But I'm going to go with... ASU as well. That spread is just gigantic. It's very big when you go down. Playing in the desert, and we, we've talked about this many times, I've been better about picking Arizona games because I have a better feel for that team. They they kind of have an identity. I don't know what exactly is going on with Arizona State. I just know that they've been managing to keep it close with some, some better teams this year other than Utah. Right. Texas at Iowa State. Pick this one off the sheet because this is a dangerous game for Texas. It, yes. Eight and a half point spread. Not very large. 
I think Ewers is back, but Brooks is out now for the year with a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. Matt Campbell's a good coach. What are you doing here, Rob? Um, it's uh, it's at Iowa State. I'm going to go with uh, Iowa State in this game. I think this is I think this is Iowa State's spot. I don't know if they'll pull off the victory, but I think it's their spot to cover, and that's going to do it for picks. Rob, I want you to give me your playoff four. My playoff four is now that I'm second guessing it. I'm going to go with. And look, I'll I'm say this too. Like my, I don't have to do them in order, right? I'll just pick four. Well, you, pick you can do whatever you four. want. I my goal with the playoff four was to project what it's going to be, not who I think is best. What the what I think the committee is going to select as the best four teams at the end of the year. Well. That's a problem because you could see, so you could see like Ohio's the, the script is setting up such that you could have a one loss big 10 team, get the four spot. I hope not. I, I'm just telling you that it's setting up. Um, so I'm going to disregard that possibility because we can't allow that to happen in this world. Um, so I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with Michigan at one because they would have to beat Ohio state. And that is going to be a better win than uh, any of Georgia's wins. I will go Georgia two. I will go um, FSU three. And then I'm going to go, well, no, I'm going to go Washington three and FSU four. Okay. Is how I think think it, it's going to shake out at the end of the year because you're predicting washington run the table beat oregon yes and fsu doesn't have a game like that correct left i mean they they might get a that louisville game if louisville stays undefeated that'll be a top right. 10 game yep. but i still think that would be i think you'd probably be right on there if that happens michigan I, would have the best win georgia would be have its sec kind of clout Getting and that's the thing. Two. And Georgia would have to beat a one-loss Bama, which is a good win. Yeah. And they've beaten a top 10 Ole Miss. Ole Miss dropped a couple spots. But you get my point. Like, yes. I don't think Ole Miss is good, but they have, you know, very few losses. And so. Yeah. And they're the two-time defending champs. I think if they both go undefeated, I feel like they're going to put Georgia one. I, I could be wrong, but I had Georgia one at Michigan two, Florida State three. And I had Oregon at four because I think Oregon's going to run the table and beat Washington in the in the title game. Mm-hmm. And that would mean Texas and Oklahoma. Well, not Oklahoma's done anyway. But it would mean a one-loss Texas potentially would get left out. I don't think – I feel like Texas is going to lose a game. Yes. Like, I, I don't know where it's coming, but I feel like they're going to lose a game. <clears throat> and I guess your pick actually – your pick makes sense in the recency bias because Georgia will have come off of – um, what will be perceived as a better SEC national or SEC win um, in the championship game than whoever I don't even know who's coming from the other side that Michigan's going to be playing um, in yes. the Big Ten championship game. But if Ohio State wins out, though, yeah. they could be number one because they yeah. have the Notre Dame win. Yeah. And they'll have the Penn State and the Michigan win. Yes. And and the Iowa win. 
in in, mm-hmm. in the championship game. But if Michigan goes, it's really they only have they only have a two game season, and then Iowa. And yeah. so I think Old Miss, Tennessee, uh, and Alabama would be the committee might perceive that better and put Georgia in over Michigan at the top spot. But this will all this will all play out. But so slight differences. You have Washington and I have Oregon, and otherwise we had the same the same team. One one other piece is, and I'm Michigan has curb stomped everybody, and Georgia has had three games where it played with its food and like, mm-hmm. we're kind of close. Um, nobody has been close really with Michigan. Um, and that's, you know, for what it's worth. Anyway, it's very true, but <clears throat> is Mizzou and Penn state about the same quality of team? Um, yeah. Michigan and Michigan and Georgia performed about the same against those two teams. Like they're yeah. very, they're very even. Like when Michigan has to play a decent team, mm-hmm. like I know they kind of beat Penn State up, and the score might have not been that close. But yeah. like, I'm just saying, like, yes, Michigan's beating the crap out of everyone. But mm-hmm. like, if there was seven Vandy's on on Georgia's schedule, they might be beating the crap out of all of them too. I, like, I listen. <laughs> I I agree. I think I think on a, I think Georgia and Michigan. Unlike last year or the year before, I think it could be a really good game. Honestly, yeah, I think it could it could be a good game. I I don't see either of those teams um, beating up on the other team. They they both seem like the two best teams. Yeah, like they by not by far, but they seem like the two best teams by by just an extra tier there. But anyway, yeah. that'll do it for the pod. We've talked long enough. I'm going to be down in Blacksburg, leaving tomorrow for for Harrisonburg, Blacksburg Friday. Be at Tots, 8 to 10, Friday night. Come out for Friday Night Lights. Make sure you're subscribed to our Twitter feed. It's at 2DVT. Subscribe to our – or follow us on Instagram. It's at 2DVT. Subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Easy to find on there. You can send us an email. It's at 2D – it's 2DVT at gmail.com if you want to – make any comments or anything, make sure you subscribe to the sons of Saturday channel rate review, all the good stuff. And until next time, when we're hopefully celebrating being bowl eligible, go Hokies.